0: Like wow. people generally buy people. Genius.
1: What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? You're listening to Forest FM, a salon business show with hosts Zoe Bilal-Springer and Killian Vina. For your industry, buy your industry.
2: Ago, a good friend of mine and someone people in this industry would know of, Jay Williams, released his latest book, This Versus That Better Thinking, Better Choices, Better Leader. In his book, he explains how we tend to rely on our common sense to help us navigate life and business, and how there's a difference between common sense, knowing, and common practice, doing. Common practice, and I quote, is how results are achieved in an organization based on the thinking, behavior, and performance of its people. That means that as a leader, when it comes down to the pressure points of management, you have choices, multiple ones. Use the Socratic versus the Confucius method with staff, to lead versus to manage, to have conversations or confrontations, to have staff be committed or compliant, so on and so forth. Asking the right questions is your role as a leader, as is understanding the main drivers in business and creating a roadmap to define what success looks like for you and your team. Today's episode is in part brought to you in collaboration with Euphora. Euphora Education extends far beyond basic product knowledge, tips and techniques featuring a robust curriculum focusing on professional advancement that is most important to the whole of you. The diversity and number of Euphora training programs ensures a constant access to a well-rounded curriculum of high-caliber education.
0: I think when we all start off, we think we have to do every single thing ourselves. And then, of course, as people, we're going to get completely burnt out and, you know, trying to tackle things, especially that aren't in our wheelhouse. I mean, some things I'm just not strong at. Everyone can only handle really three things. You're going to spend 90% of your time focusing on three things. So we call it the rule of three. In the beginning, there were certain things that I thought, well, this isn't my area um, and I need to have someone do that. But I think, you know, one of the challenges that you come up against is finding the right people to do it. The minute that quality dips just a little bit, that is the time to say, wait a minute, I need to bring someone up. I think you have to encourage people and uplift people and let them know that you have confidence in them and then just kind of give them an outline and let them run with it. I think that's healthy delegation.
1: Jill Higginbotham is the owner and founder of J. Michael Span Salon in Louisville, Kentucky, is a euphoria international business educator and a true change agent by nature. After experiencing success behind a chair for over 18 years and leading a salon for over 10, Jill's passion is now focused on elevating the industry by educating stylists and salon owners. Through her partnership with Euphora, Jill desires to utilize her passion for leadership, education, and industry experience to help stylists and salon owners realize the importance of their profession, their creativity, and their business. So without further ado, welcome to the Fires FM podcast, Jill. It's a pleasure to have you.
0: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: No problem. So Jill, this episode, we're going to be kind of talking about like business drivers and things like that. But I feel like like if I was to ask you to list out a couple of drivers, we'd be here all day, right? Like you <laughs> own a salon, you've got like a list and a half of things that you, you'd want to talk about. But just to kind of give us an expectation of what we're going to cover on this show, what are some like key business drivers that you think People should at least be aware of. Like, let's say if we were to say pick like five or six, maybe a handful, six is a big hand. <laughs> six is
0: a big hand. Um, but I really do think it, it does come down to six key business drivers that uh, we can all take a look at. And so, number one is management. So, it's managing yourself, it's managing others. That second driver is going to be money management. We all know financials, that's day to day financials, your PLs, like just basic money management. Mm -hmm. marketing and sales. So your sales, your social media, your PR, uh, people and productivity training and development and quality of staff. So that's developing your people. Uh, So that would be like education. Um, That would be like all of your systems for your staff, maybe your level systems, Uh, product and service operations. So that's going to be your quality and your quantity Definitely whoever um, kind of does the ordering would fall under this umbrella and then process and system. So this is like your daily operations, your daily systems that run your business. So I see those as your six key drivers. Um, And I think it's once you break them down, it makes your business easier.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking like when you were going into each one, you're going, oh, yeah, there is actually quite a bit in each category. But by identifying those six categories, it almost kind of gives you, like, makes you feel like you've got a better handle of it as opposed to just naming, like you said, where training up people like to use the system, doing your social media. That makes it sound like a much, much bigger task.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember the, fa- the first few years of, you know, running your salon. Would you have, you know, felt like you had to take all of those on
0: as your responsibility? Oh my gosh, I absolutely did. <laughs> and I think we all do. We all do. Cause we, you know, we have an idea of what we're getting into, but, mm-hmm. um, especially even, I mean, my gosh, just 10 years ago, I feel like I had less access to information than I do now. I mean, we yeah. didn't have amazing podcasts and things like that. So, um, yeah. I think when we all start off, though, we think we have to do every single thing ourselves. And then, of course, as people, we're going to get completely burnt out yeah. and, you know, trying to tackle things, especially that aren't in our wheelhouse. I mean, some things I'm just not strong at. I do not post for social media for my my salon at all, because not great. I'm horrible at taking pictures. I have two daughters that are teenagers. They're 16 and 18. And like I have them do stuff for me because it is not what I do. I'm not good at it.
2: So <laughs> no in fairness they grew up with that though.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank God.
1: <laughs> Did it take you long to get to that stage to realize actually, you know what, there are other people better at this than me or were you trying to do that whole <laughs> struggle limbo thing for a while where you're going, all right, it's new. I don't really know it, but I will own it. Or was it a case of, no, that's definitely not my area. I've got to find someone quick.
0: (laughs) Um, In the beginning, there were certain things that I thought, well, this isn't my area um, and I Mm -hmm. need to have someone do that. But I think, you know, one of the challenges that you come up against is finding the right people to do Mm -hmm. it. And so I, in the beginning of my salon, I really thought money management should belong to someone else. Um, and it turned out that, um, the person that I had entrusted it to was bipolar and we ended up owing the federal government and the state government quite a bit of money. And that Mm. was a really expensive lesson to learn, but surviving it made me realize that I needed to put money management in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. It needed to be mine. Um, and, and I needed to look at those other drivers and see which ones I was trying to take a handle of that really wasn't for me or was something that could easily be handed off.
2: So in terms of like how you look at the the six drivers now today, say for instance, I decide to open up a salon tomorrow and I'm like, Jill, what do I have to take on? Like, what can I actually delegate? What should be in my wheelhouse? What should be in say my manager's wheelhouse?
0: So I have set up a system where I have uh, two managers and then I have someone that does PR and marketing for me. And I did start off with that person and that was Mm -hmm. such a huge help. Uh, But first of all, I needed to realize that I'm an owner behind the chair. Now I'm only behind the chair two to three days a week. It's not because my business is financially dependent on it. I just, I love doing hair. I'm not ready to (laughs) stop doing hair yet. That's why I did this. Right. Yeah. Um, So I needed to recognize that I can only handle three. Everyone can only handle really three things. You're going to spend 90% of your time focusing on three things. So we call it the rule of three. And one of my three is my book of business. Mm. It has to be a part of, you know, a focus because if I want to continue to be successful, if I want to continue to show my team what success looks like, I still have to have some focus on that book of business. So that was one of my three. So management became the second part of my three, and management includes delegation. It's just being at the top and knowing what to delegate out and really having your finger on everything that's happening. So it's not that you're doing everything that's going on. You're not a part of maybe the daily operations and systems because I'm not. That's not what I do. I mean, sometimes I'm up there to help out, but that's, that's really not what I do. I have a manager that does that. But we meet and talk about what she's going to do, and I delegate it out to her. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I do money management. Like I said before, that has become really, really important. Um, And I have a couple of people that kind of help me with that. But those are my three things that I focus on. So then when I identify those six drivers, I said, "Okay, well, who do I have around me and what are their strengths and what can they do? So. I have um another she was a manager and now she's actually um becoming a partner. She's buying into the business. Her name is Kara and she's amazing. That's and amazing. So, yeah, she still manages, but part of hers are people. She's staff development. Um she's hiring, she's making sure that all the training's happening that needs to train, especially with like our apprentices, um, right. helping people move from one level to the next, because that's how you get promoted in our business. Um, So that's really great. And then she also helps with the services, processes, systems. So she helps to make sure that the daily operations are running well from the service standpoint, not the product standpoint. Yeah. So that's really helpful. And then she's behind the chair about three days a week. So her third one is going to be her book of business as well. Um, And she does hair extensions and she's an educator for hair extensions. So um, that's a really big part of her business. And so then I have a manager that isn't a stylist. She is just our kind of front of the house manager. And so, I mean, immediately she needs to be in charge of the systems and those daily operations, the processes and systems, um, and making sure that all of that is running smoothly. Uh, And it's so nice when you're behind the chair to have someone like that. So if (laughs) you haven't done that in your business, do yourself a favor and do it. And then, of course, she kind of oversees all of the product. Um, which is really helpful. And then she helps me with management delegation. And then, of course, I have my peer and marketing person and a stylist that does social media. And together, they are really, they hit that marketing and sales. So everything is broken up and I have Mm -hmm. my finger on it and it makes my life so much easier. And I really would say that I just started doing it, really getting the good handle on it. Probably about three years ago, I got the right people in place. So yeah. it took quite a bit of time, um, um, but it doesn't have to. I just had a, had a big learning curve.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's that flywheel, you're building yeah. up the flywheel, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. And for anyone listening, actually, Killian just referenced uh, Good to Great from uh, Jim Collins, and there's Jim actually Collins. a part in that where the, uh, he talks about getting the right people on the bus and how, how it's important and all that. Um, I was going to say, uh, it must also really empower your team to have all those little parts to look after, you know, because then they feel a part of not just a part of the salon, but a part of your success as well as a business.
0: Yeah, it really does. And um, as far as my management team goes, I think one of the things about delegating is we have to remember not to micromanage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so basically when I sit down with them at first, and I really think of it as that like upside down pyramid, you know, where I'm on the bottom and then we go, my management team, my stylist, and really the guests are the people that should be on the top. They're your like main focus. But um, when I when I give them a project, I talk about if there's certain things that I want to see with it. For example, um, our check-in system, mm-hmm. which of course this past year changed dramatically like everybody else. Yeah. Is. And I remember I was laying in bed one night thinking, how am I as before we open reopen? Cause we were closed for 10 weeks. I thought, how am I going to get people, uh, in the salon without in the way wait- being in the waiting area and make it feel like a part of our experience and not be something scary. And so I came up, I'm like, maybe it should be like a valet. And we have someone that walks out and takes your temperature at your car and gives, we gave them a pager and a a fresh clean, like little plastic bag um, because we had pagers. And, um, but I really, I walked into work and I looked at my manager and I said, how do we make this work? Here's what I'm thinking. And then I really let her script it. I let her uh, train all the people that we ended up having do that. Um, and over the summer when it was, it was kind of overwhelming, we actually ended up having my daughters do that part of it. (laughs) So I was always against having my children work for me. Um, but I'm probably harder on them than anybody than I am on anybody else. So it ended up working out just fine, but it was also great to look at them and look at her and say, Hey, they don't answer to me. They answer to you and you need to treat them not like they're my family. And so that was another, like I delegated that out and she did a great job. So, I gave her touch points of what I wanted, but she took it and ran with it and made it a part of the J. Michaels experience. And so I think you have to encourage people and uplift people and let them know that you have confidence in them and then just kind of give them an outline and let them run with it. I think that's healthy mm-hmm. delegation. Yeah. W-
1: would you have like the stage that you're at now, would it that level of delegation and kind of hands off from your day to day have been the same when your manager just came on board or whenever you bring in a hire? Is this what you're kind of looking for in initial stages? I suppose what I'm asking is, did you feel like you were ever in a stage of micromanaging before before you got to now or has it just always been a nice kind of handoff journey
0: or transition? I wish I could say it's always been a great handoff journey. <laughs> uh, but there are times when I was probably micromanaging a little more. Um, by nature, I'm not a huge micromanager, but when someone first starts off or you go through transition mm-hmm. or, I mean, you know, I just had managers that end up moving on to a different job. There was no like harm or foul when they left. Um, one of my most recent ones that left uh, probably about three years ago, um, just moved to New York, you know, moved mm-hmm. to a different city and stuff. And so you have them train, hopefully the person that replaces them, but you will find in those moments, if if that's happening in your salon where you're having a change in management, that you are going to have to focus a little bit more on some of the six drivers that you weren't focusing on, but your focus should really be teaching them. Yeah. Right. So train your managers to manage like you do, mm-hmm. because a lot of times people get on your team because they like how you're running something. They like the culture that's been created And so you want to make sure that they're like an extension of you within the salon. So my biggest thing was training my managers to manage. So if I, for example, had to have one of those really uncomfortable conversations, which I'm actually okay with uncomfortable (laughs) conversations, you know, I would pull them in and I would say, this is, this is how we talk to someone about this. So if someone's habitually late, I like Socratic leading. That's just really important. And I would say, watch me do this. And I would go through and I'd say, Hey, Have you noticed, you know, what's going on lately? I've noticed that you haven't been on time and they, they talk to me and a lot of the times I'll throw back, I'll say, well, what do you think we need to do to fix this? Mm. Should there be a consequence? Like very much help the person, you know, shape what's happening. And as my manager sees that they start to be able to lead Socratically to, to ask questions and, and to lead people. And I make sure they know that that's one of the things I want them to do because I want all of the individuals that work for me to feel empowered. yeah, Right. And, and to feel like they're in control somewhat. So, um, it's, it's learning how to delegate and teach people how to really, yeah, be an extension of you and how they deal with your staff.
1: And is that a trait uh, that you're actively looking for when you are recruiting people or as we say, like getting the right people on your team? Are you looking for people that have initiative that are shown that they don't want to or need to be told what to do at all times?
0: Absolutely. I think that's one of the most important things is kind of looking for the people. If you're trying to hire from within, and sometimes that can really uh, be a good thing because it's a person that already knows your culture. So for example, the manager that I have right now, she started as a receptionist at my front desk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she kind of knew everything that we were doing and it became obvious that she would come back and go, Hey, I think that I need to redo, you know, the script that we're using for answering them. I need to write this down. I think we need to have little signs here and there. And all of a sudden I noticed her taking control of certain things, recognizing where there might be potential fires and putting them out before they even started. And so it became obvious that she had some leadership qualities. Um, And as I spoke to her, it's, it's just been, it's been a great experience having her as a manager. And so The other thing I would say is if you're looking for someone from within, um, especially when you're doing it for your team. So for example, the role that I have Kara fill where she's the one doing staff development and she's really working with the team one-on-one. Um, if you're unsure of who that person might be, this is a great exercise. We did a little getting to know you at our salon once and it was just like, had silly questions on it. Like, um, you know, do you believe in aliens and who's your, which golden girl do you identify with the most and just stuff like that. But one of the questions on it was um, if you were, you know, put in jail, who would you call to bail you out? <laughs> if you, it's pretty funny. How many um, said actually, you? <laughs> almost all of them. <laughs> and then it said with a really good lecture afterwards, because yes, I would come get them. And then I would be like, what on earth are you thinking? <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: still better than calling your parents. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Right. Um, but it's because they knew I would show up. And so if you were to take that exercise though, and you were to eliminate yourself or any of your other, if you have another manager and say, okay, not an owner or a manager, who would you call? You would probably find that most of the people on your staff are going to pick the same person because it would be the person that they trust and depend on and that they see, is doing what needs to be done without being asked. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have kind of a bigger salon like I do, and you're unsure, you you think in your mind, let your team help you pick that person. Because then also, once you pick them, you know that they're going to have confidence in that person. It's going to be a good fit for your team as well. Yeah,
1: that's a really good uh, technique. Yeah,
0: (laughs) And then
2: it just comes down to building them up to the role, I suppose, if they're not him. if they're not there mentally ready to, to take on, say, a manager role or something like that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's something that you need You you know, you need to sit down and talk to them. Lots of times, though, you find with those people that they actually are because they're already leading. Mm. And they just kind of need to be shown that they are leading and that they are leaders. Um, and really, once you do that, though, especially, like I said, if you have a stylist behind the chair, lay out what they do give them the amount of time they need to do it and still let them focus on their book of business as well. Let them know that that's still a priority to them and to you. Time management becomes so important for someone in that position.
2: Yeah. So I just wanted to bring it back to the, uh, the drivers for a little bit. Um, Cause you mentioned, you know, it de- depending on the driver, some will take more of your focus, some less. How, like, how do you weigh them out essentially? What is more important, and and how do you decide that it is more important? Does it not change depending on the, sal- the type of salon you run or the type of team that you have, uh, even the type of person you are?
0: Absolutely. And so, I think when you're looking at it, you need to really lay out the six drivers. Right. Mm-hmm. Put down in your business what each one looks like. Is you know if it's managing and you have like a small salon. Management might just have, you know, I'm managing these four people or whatever. You might have a large salon and, you know, that ha- might have more elements to it. Lay out money management. Really, what are you doing with your finances every day? Is it sufficient? Should you be doing more? Mm-hmm. Um, should you be doing that at all? I mean, there are times when I as stylists, I always, when I ed, like educate in business, a lot of people are like, I'm not a numbers person. <laughs> and I always look at a stylist and I go, okay, if you have someone that's a level five and they want to be a level eight, you know, what volume developer and how would you mix this? And what's one and one and a half ratio. And I like to let them know that they actually do algebra on a daily basis. <laughs> they really are numbers people that we just see numbers and colors, you know, and I think once we kind of look at that, it helps. Um, but so, but if numbers aren't in your wheelhouse, lay down, you know what needs to be done, and you might have a bookkeeper, someone who's already kind of taken that over for you, which is great. Um, and so I would do that with all of them: marketing and sales, uh, your people, your product and services, and your processes and your systems. And so lay out what's in each one of those, and then look at it and go, okay, what can I do, mm-hmm. right? And what is good for me? And then, um, you know, what you're going to hand off and you might find that some of these are small and a smaller business. They're not these huge tasks that some people have in different businesses. And so you might be able to take on four because for you, inventory and ordering is going to be something that's done on a biweekly basis. And you have. you know, your DSC or a rep coming in and and helping you do that. So that may be kind of almost, I don't want to say a non-existent, you want to keep a watch on it, but that might be a much smaller task for you to do. Mm -hmm. So really, if you line them up and you break them down, you'll find out which ones that you can do and which ones are important. And if you don't have someone with you to help you just yet, just pick three that you're going to focus on. Yeah. I'm not saying let the other fall to the wayside, but say I can focus on these three. I promise your business will still grow and prosper if you have a strong focus on just three of the drivers.
2: Yeah. And then
0: get onto hiring. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Which is actually what I want to get onto. Like, how did you know when your salon was at the stage that, you know what, I actually need a manager here? Was it a revenue thing? Was it you had so many bookings you needed someone else or was it? Like down to the fact that, like you said, you like doing two days behind a chair. So you know yourself, you can't commit those two days. Like what stage was your salon at? Or was it actually a capacity problem? Was it you had too many staff to manage yourself?
0: Um, It's kind of both. I did initially open my salon with the idea that we'll always have a manager Mm -hmm. because I knew I wanted to be behind the chair and I knew I needed to have that support to do so. But that, that role developed... Um, and it became a bigger role. So at that time, the manager was just kind of at the front desk, you know, always working at the front desk and making sure things were going smoothly while I did hair. Uh, and then as, like you said, we grew, our capacity got bigger and bigger. Um, I always joke now I'm, I'm, I'm working on a system, but I'm like an accidental seven figure salon. It was like (laughs) one day we were Such making a over a million dollars. I know. <laughs> <laughs> one, one day we were over a million dollars and I was like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? Uh, and, and that is not actually a good space to be in. Um, but as it grew and I saw those numbers getting bigger, I remember thinking, I can't handle this. And the way that I have my management system is not going well, because what you'll notice is Quality goes down. That's the first sign that you need help is when you realize your quality is going down and quality going down can look like having to hand off a guest, maybe to an apprentice. That's not quite ready. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quality can look like, you know, mistakes and bookings quality can be uh, no one noticing that someone had waited for a really long time. There's just so many things or like towels not getting done, you know, just the little things. If your quality starts to dip It probably means you're too busy, Mm. right? And you don't have enough hands to handle the load that you have. So it might be at that point where you pull your manager from your front desk, if that's where you have them sometimes, and you beef up the front desk, right? Um, So that there are enough people to notice someone's been waiting for a long time. Just little things like that. There's enough hands to cover when towels need to get done um, or when stylists just need certain types of support. So I really think you'll notice the minute that quality dips just a little bit, that is the time to say, "Wait a minute, I need to bring someone up." But I really think start splitting it into uh, the amount of people versus the amount of revenue. So if you're a small salon and you're just increasing your prices and you go up to $500,000, right? But there's only five of you, you're all just turning out100,000 a year, which is great. You may not need a full-time manager, right? Or Mm -hmm. you might need someone kind of part-time and just front desk doing that. But if you're getting to 500,000, but you have, let's say, 10 people, you're going to have more guests flowing in the door. And that means that you're going to need to have a manager. That also means that you're going to need to make a price increase (laughs) because you're highly in demand. And that means everybody deserves a promotion so that you can cover having a manager at your salon. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, absolutely. Um,
2: in terms of like the hiring process and then blending that in with the existing culture, how, I guess I have like two questions, I, I maybe they're twofold. Um, how do you define that culture and how do you develop staff into that culture?
0: So defining culture was something I definitely, uh, it took me a little bit of time to understand. And it's really funny. I had to go back to uh, how I worked with my children. Um, I mean, and I think we're all, we all develop so many different ways, but this specific generation where we are right now in the world, um, they were offered a lot of choices, right? They kind of, mm-hmm. they built their own uh, destiny a little bit. They were very involved from children on in deciding how and what they did things. Cause that was kind of the culture that they had. So your culture needs to be reflective of that culture. Uh, once I figured that out and I stopped fighting and trying to make everyone do exactly what I wanted within the culture, it became, <sighs> oh my gosh, so much easier. That would probably be where I <laughs> micromanage the worst. Like, like, no, everybody's just going to do, you know, everyone's just going to constantly full towels and it's going to be great. And that's just not where everybody wanted to be. And I know those are small things. Um, so one of the things that we did with culture is, you know, your, your stylists want They want flexibility, autonomy, and of course, money. And all of these Mm -hmm. things need to be represented in your culture. And I always, I want to just flip off onto money. Please don't apologize for wanting to make money. We all work to make money and that's okay. We're just so blessed to do something that we love and be creative to do it, but don't apologize for it. Don't feel bad for it. That's, that's why we do what we do. And it's totally okay. But within the culture um, money of course is a driver for us and then flexibility and autonomy. So I wanted them to build the culture themselves is what it came down to. So I kind of laid an outline of, this is what our culture should look like, you know, kind of like, um, we want to have teamwork, strong teamwork, you know, um, defining it in different words. I like honesty. Do you guys like honesty? Stuff like that. And then I would go in and basically something I did with my kids when I was younger, as was building our culture, I would say, okay, oh, hey, tonight for dinner, we can have uh, frozen pizza, roast beef, or grilled chicken, right? I had all three ready to go. I was totally fine with those options. They could pick the sides, but it made them feel good to be able to choose what they were going to have. Instead of me trying mm-hmm. to make multiple meals for, you know, to please everyone, they had to come together and decide what worked. That is the same thing I try to do with the culture, give them options, let them vote on it, let them fill in the blanks. So we started doing uh, daily meetings. We called them, well, I didn't have a name for them. I just said, I want to do daily meetings in the morning. This is, this is what I know. We got to get on the same page, talk about our numbers. And so with those daily meetings, I said, okay, well, what do you all want to call them? That was the first Mm -hmm. thing I, I could, you know, I am not, some people have like huddles and powwows and all that kind of stuff. i That's not me. I'm not like the cheeky <laughs> name person, but I know it really gets some people going. And so I always feel bad that I don't do that if they want that. But my staff reflects me. And so they and they ended up on daily success meetings and they're called DSMs. Yeah. So we have DSMs and they came up with the name. And then they actually came up with how we do the DSMs. And those are a huge part of our culture. I just said, I want to talk about numbers and set goals for the day. And they do the rest. They have like a spark question in it. Hmm. Uh, they give shout outs to each other. You know, and they talk about if we have any sales and all of that was not anything I came up with. They came up yeah. with all of that. So giving them the reins to create that culture, to create that Um, It makes a huge difference because it brings them into the fold and it makes them responsible for it. It makes them feel like they're truly a part of the culture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is set the foundations for your delegation. Exactly. Brilliant.
0: Exactly. And then I'm not stressed going, oh my gosh, how are, are we following this? How are we going to lay this out? And I don't lead them half the time. I'm not even in them because when we first started them, I was in them, but they were treating them like real meetings. And I just don't think they were getting out of it what they needed. And I remember looking at it and going, oh my gosh, I need to remove myself because I need them <laughs> to get pumped up and excited. Now I'm at the point where I can be back in them. Right. But I'm a guest (laughs) in their meetings. It's not my meeting, which I love. I love. That's brilliant.
1: Have you ever had the awkwardness where, because you're saying your salon and your team pretty much come up with and define the culture. So have you ever had the scenario then when one of those people no longer fits that culture? Have you ever had someone fall out of culture?
0: Absolutely. And I think in our industry, it happens it happened quite a bit. And then, of course, I think for this past year, for a lot of people, it happened. I mean, with everything that's been going on, I think every owner can say our culture had to shift and it had to change.
2: Yeah. And
0: some people were in shock of what happened. I mean, I was too. I remember thinking when I, I'm like, how is someone closing my salon? What am I? What are we supposed to do? What is going on? You know, like we're all <laughs> like, are we in this alternate universe? Um, and so it it just becomes. You know, very challenging when you look around and you see someone no longer belongs there. But the truth is that happens. I love the bus. You know, you talk about the bus and it's like, this is our bus and this is where we're heading. And if you don't want to head in this direction anytime, you can go ahead and get off the bus. And so recently with a pandemic that did happen. And I think uh, someone just, one of our team members just didn't want to fit in the culture. They didn't want DSMs, they didn't want um kind of someone always, you know, around them. They sh- she had really gotten to the point where she just wanted to be independent. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, if I had tried to pull her and keep her in because of whatever kind of revenue she brought in or whatever, it would have been toxic to the team mm-hmm. and I have made that mistake before seeing it happen, hoping that it works itself out. But the the truth is the minute you see someone shifting off of your culture where they don't want to be a part of the team, where they don't want to show up to certain things, where they have a bad attitude, where they're gossiping, whatever it might be, you need to talk to them immediately. And you should always be ready to end that relationship. And it's okay to look at each other and say, Hey, we've gotten to the point where it's time for you to get off the bus. You are headed somewhere else, and I wish you all the success, but not on our bus.
1: That makes sense.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I guess, and I
2: guess you do kind of get to understand what's going on with those staff members through, you know, just regular one to ones, or even just like watching them in their environment in the day to day at the salon. Um, how how do you go about the one to ones then um, on your team specifically?
0: So we do, I kind of do two forms of them and they don't even realize what one of them is. It's a casual one-on-one. And so (laughs) um, I make sure that every week I have a conversation with everyone that works for me. And I mean, everyone up to the receptionist, um, you know, all of my staff, even like some of my contractors that just come in and do work like my 1099ers. And what I do is I just check in with them. How are you doing? What's going on? I want to know about their family at that moment. Is there anything mm-hmm. you want on at work? And it might be while we're just standing in the back folding towels together or cleaning color bowls or, you know, I'm in my office and I notice they're sitting back eating lunch and I go and chat with them. Um, that way they know I'm invested and I truly am invested. It's not like, a, oh, let me just hear you talk and check the box. Like I want to know. <laughs> yeah, because if something's going on, I want to follow back up. If someone in their family got sick, if... The kids are having an issue at school or there's a million things that can happen. I want to know the good, the bad, the ugly and be there to support them um, because that's what mentors do. That's just an important part of mentorship is to be a friend and then to also offer constructive criticism. And that creates the trust for me to offer constructive criticism to them. It also allows me to know what's going on at that moment. They might say, gosh, I feel like so and so is, you know, really not help like happy right now. You know, they have bad energy, whatever it might be. I've also found if I have a week where I'm dreading a one-on-one, like doing that, that conversation, that casual conversation with someone, clearly there's a problem. Yeah. Right. And so I need to make that one a priority and then kind of bring them in and do a more formal one-on-one, to see what's going on and why we are where we are. And it, not all the time when you do that, do you find, oh, I have to let like let this person go. Sometimes you find out something very complicated is happening in their personal life or you know they want a promotion or there's just certain issues that they want to have addressed and it's an easy fix. But yeah, especially when you either have someone that everybody else is dreading talking to or you're dreading talking to, that's the most important one-on-one that you can have at that moment. Because that's when you find out who doesn't belong on the bus anymore.
1: There's a really Mm. good point you were saying about like just trying to find out a little bit more about what's actually going on in their lives, because if they are having an off day, then you know it's actually not down to something that you've done or something that's happened into the salon. It is just that there's something more going on. And I think, didn't Stephanie Fox say that on a few, we had Stephanie Fox on a a few episodes ago, but she was saying that people crave that almost friendship with management now or friendships with the direct lead. So it's building that rapport, building the relationship up. That's what people want.
0: Absolutely. And this, a lot of this information I got from Stephanie, because uh, we recently did a Euphorist Lawn Owners Network together and She's amazing. She has so much great information. Yeah, I just love her.
2: Big shout out to her. Yes, big
0: shout out to her. I, I can't like. I don't know that any of the information I have is all just from me. I feel like I have learned so much through from so many people throughout the years, which I just love. So but that's um, a I don't testament take to yourself,
1: though. Like it's that <laughs> continued you. growth mindset, though, as well. It's yeah. I don't know it all.
0: <laughs> no. And I find out there are so many things that you find out every day. You're like, oh, but I love the personal growth that comes from it. Um, And from even being open to listening and one-on-ones and and providing that flexibility was kind of hard for me at first. But now I find that it really benefits me. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think be prepared to have uncomfortable conversations if necessary, because that's what one-on-ones can be for too. And that's really hard. Um, but we need to be comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. And then we also need to set what our relationship is with the people that work for us. So we, they need to know that they can trust us. They need to know that we have their back and that we have their best interest. And they also need to know that I can go out and get Mexican food with them and we can drink margaritas and have fun. But they also need to know that they can go out and get Mexican food just as a group without me. And I'm not going to get offended either. So because at the end of the day, I'm always like I'm kind of like the mom, like sometimes my kids just really want to be with me. And there are other times when they're like, you go away. So. <laughs> My my last question really um it's it's
2: still around the one to ones, but I'm just curious to understand, I suppose, what do you consider like this this was this was worth it? I've like I've like how how do you know that it's
0: effective?
1: You're not threatened going into the next one. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. No, it's totally true. I think um if you have a really good groundwork laid for your one-on-ones, it's mm-hmm. um really helpful. So I try to have kind of like five points that I touch them when I do a formal one-on-one. So um, when I do the formal one-on-one, the first thing we talk about is I come and prepared with their numbers. I know what their previous goals were as far as their numbers went. And we we see where they've landed. Crazily enough, last year, even though we were close for 10 weeks, my team did this amazing job at selling retail. And then once I was able to add in, you know, just the little bit of money that the government gave to help and stuff so that they could get paid. Most of my team exceeded their goals for 2020. So their financial goals for 2020 were Mm -hmm. exceeded. And I, you know, thank God that that happened. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't even know how it happened, but it did. Um, Do you let your
1: team, do you let your team see their own numbers when they want or do you wait until the meetings?
0: Well, no, they have, of course, through Forest, they have the, um, you know, in their app, it's yeah. their performance. Okay. Is that form. No, we look at those every day. We talk about the numbers. Um, we focus a lot on bottle count daily, which is kind of falls into f- care factor. Yeah. It's just a really easy thing for everybody to focus on. How many bottles are you going to sell? Because the numbers kind of go along with that and they can look at their guests and see, you know, what they might need. It makes them actually look at who's coming in that day. When was the last time they purchased? What did they purchase? And it kind of It gets them ready for that. So we talk about numbers and performance every day, but they also know what the salon goal is. So the Mm -hmm. entire team's goal for services and for retail. And we talk about whether we met those goals and the cross-selling percent and stuff like that. So they're always in the know and the daily meetings on that. But because of that, when I bring them into their formal one-on-ones, they pretty much know where they sit with their goals. But it's, so good it's not that a we can
1: surprise for them yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. It takes that like, fear of the meeting out.
0: Exactly. So they know what's, you say that, but they still have the time coming in and they're like, I don't know, I just get worried. And I'm like, <laughs> listen, if I'm angry, you're going to know it way before you came into this. Office. I, try to sh- I try to like hide it. I'm terrible at it. But um, really, no. And most of the time they really just crush their goals, which is so exciting. And so then we talk about where they have room for growth. Maybe the goals that they didn't meet when they come in. Um, And what we can do to get there. Uh, We talk about any concerns that uh, we might have as far as like, who are they getting along with or what have we heard or maybe some bad habits that they've picked up. We do love to talk about habits and also personal habits. It's really important that you help your people set personal goals. And, and you help them with that. So even if it's just little things like working out three times a week, if you can check in and say, hey, how many workouts did you do this you know week? Good for you. Or that's OK. You have next week, whatever it might be. They just know you have their back. And yeah. I think your personal health goes with your financial health and your healthy work life. So and then we do a roadmap for their new goals. Um, and then at the end, I take any comments, concerns, and I ask for their opinion about. Myself and other management. What can we do to improve? Or where do you see, you know, room for improvement? Really important.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I think we're gonna wrap it up on that one, just because it's been so good. But you don't get to leave too early because Zoe has <laughs> and we actually forgot to mention. I don't know, did we mention this at no, the start? We didn't mention. It. We didn't mention it. So no. this is a complete surprise for you now, Jill. Are you ready? Okay good yes go on Zoe introduce it
2: (laughs) all right so um I have this deck of uh, thought starter cards and we ask uh one of our one card essentially per episode one question um you shouldn't have an issue answering any of them (laughs) um, but it's a total surprise for everyone because I've shuffled the deck and I just flip I was wondering
0: what you were doing I was like why does she have
2: cards in her yeah (laughs) flip one on as we record so here we go what don't you have enough time to do and why The natural thought when you are running a business is coming from a place of desperation to like drive performance and drive business, right? But giving staff feedback is hard, isn't it? Well, the process of empowering teams to reach their goals and targets just got that much
1: easier. Celebrate having a competitive edge with Forest's new staff performance tool. Give your team access to key metrics like revenue and transactions for services, product retail and client booking
2: the new performance report is a form of way power that you're giving them and saying like, here's information in your hands.
1: It's 24 seven access to their KPIs, all from the Forest Go mobile app. Visit forrest.com for more information.
0: Currently, I don't have enough time to do theater. So I, I, um, I told you guys I was a musical theater major before I went into this industry. It was kind of what led me into this industry. And it was something I realized I didn't want it to be my career. Uh, But it's definitely a passion that I have that I love. And um, it's something that you can do on the side. You know, everybody has community theaters and stuff like that. But not that there are that many open at this moment. But even if they were, I just Mm -hmm. don't have the time to delve into tapping into that passion as much as I want. So sometimes I just turn up uh, the serious. Broadway channel and just sing my heart out (laughs) with them instead. Pretend I'm on stage, but uh, with having two daughters that are in high school and one getting ready to go to college and just this great salon and uh, working with Euphoria and great people like you guys, it's just something that is not in the cards for me right now.
1: And it's not exactly something that can be just delegated either, to be fair, (laughs)
0: because I was going to jump
1: in with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that is, is a totally really
1: interesting one. Yeah,
0: something I had to do myself. And I know I went to kind of the personal side with that, but I think um, sometimes we need to make sure that we feed our personal souls as well and our passions. Absolutely. So hopefully when theatres open back up and I get one child at college, I can do that again um, because I think that outlet just makes me a better all around person and leader.
1: So stay tuned, follow Jill online. <laughs> there could be another chapter. You
0: never
2: know. <laughs> Well, Jill, thank you so much for uh, spending that time with us today and sharing your insights, your experience. It's been absolutely great. And uh, we can't
0: thank you enough.
1: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been great. So thanks for this opportunity. I really appreciate it.
2: So how do things work in your salon? Who manages the six drivers in your business? What do you take on that could be delegated? Is your team collaborating? Are they committed? What your people collaborate on is what they will buy in on. So focus on people, get commitment from your team, empower your team, build trust, develop leaders, and ask where you can help your staff on their journey. And if you're looking to deepen some of your one-to-ones with uh, specific questions or detailed questions, um, you know, you could use some things like, what could I do more less or differently to support you? When would you like me to share feedback? What are your takeaways? What will you start, stop and continue doing based on what you learned? What could I do differently next time to get a better response from you? And again, Euphora is committed to guiding stylists and salon owners towards success as artists and as business people. So you can head over to euphora.net forward slash pages forward slash education and find out more about their advanced training academy. So the Euphora Academy, uh, Euphora salon networks and all of their virtual learning. uh, So online class offerings from technical to business. One last thing before we sign off, don't forget to head over to force.com forward slash FM for today's transcript and you can also, also subscribe to the show's email newsletter uh, to get all the updates and guest downloadable content delivered straight to your inbox weekly on Wednesdays. As always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, you can send us an email at forestfm@forest.com, at DM us on Instagram at forest salon software, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, stay safe, and we'll catch you next Monday.
1: All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments. Forest FM, the salon owner's podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.